Please, it's 7 o'clock at night. That's right, 1900 hours, and you're listening to the Polo Sargero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Alrighty, folks, welcome back for another episode of the Paul Salguero Show, where we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Uh, we'll be here from seven to nine o'clock for the first segment. We're gonna from the seven to eight. We're gonna we're in studio now with uh, Freddie Uriat, who's a real estate agent uh, for Keller Williams uh, Realty. And then uh, from the eight to nine o'clock segment, we're gonna have uh, a candidate who's running for city council at large in Attleboro, Mr. Ty Waterman. Uh, but for right now, the first hour of the segment, we're going to talk about um, kind of being a first-time home buyer, advice for home buyers, uh, kind of maybe some mistakes that they go through, and kind of just explain the whole process for someone just beginning, and uh, you know, just try to help them out. So uh, I'd like to welcome Fred Uriot. Fred, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, you know, I've known Fred for a while. We were uh, neighbors at one point when I moved when we first moved to. To Attleboro, so Fred's been a lifetime uh, family friend, and uh, so you know we thought of the segment to kind of do a first-time home buyer. So, uh, Fred, for some of our listeners who, you know, some may or may not know you, uh, but could you give us a little bit of kind of background on you, kind of who you are and what you do in the city? Sure. Actually, I was born and raised here in Attleboro. Been a lifelong resident uh, for many years. I had my own uh, machine shop here in Attleboro as well. 2003, I decided to leave the corporate world and. Uh, Live my uh, longtime passion of being a real estate agent. And how's it going? You liking it, it so far? It's it's fantastic. It's great. You meet a lot of different people. You know, it's kind of nice to see and meet different you know folks from all over the place. Help them get into their dreams. Help them sell to get into a bigger house. You know, it's you know it's nice to see them happy in the end result. So sure, and you, you're you're local, right? You all the the houses you buy and sell are uh, locally around in this area. They're in this area, and also North Arbor, Plainville, Foxborough, and also licensed in Rhode Island. So I do go over the border into Pawtucket and those areas as well. Cool, cool. All right, so we got uh, some good material. We have to get over. We get have to. We're going to cover. So uh, let's start with uh, a, a first step to buying a home. You know, let's say someone you know late twenties, maybe early thirties, forties, whatever. The first time buying a home. One, how does a person know they're even ready to buy a home? Well, sometimes I think you just feel it. I mean, if you get to the point of where you have a really good job, you've been there for a while, uh, you might be paying rent. It's almost equivalent to a mortgage payment anyway. If you're not struggling with that rent, that might be one scenario. Uh, there are other, you know, other th- factors in that too, as well as even just going back and forth in your own mind. Am I ready? Should I do this? You know, then you might be saying to yourself, it, you know, I should take the first step or at least look into it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Is that where you, you, a lot of your, uh, the people you encounter, that's kind of what, what they experience as well? Yeah, they're tired of, you know, paying a huge rent um, to, you know, landlords and whatnot. Um, and, they, you know, they have a good job. They've been there for a while, so they feel they're a little bit solid on solid ground. And um, most of the time, they just get a little nervous. You know, they're, they're all over the place. They're excited. Then they're, you know, scared. And so every now and then, you know, when you start asking yourself that question, I think it's a good time to to at least ask a lender and sit down with a professional and find out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to, so, all right, the, the guy, a woman or guy says, all right, we're ready to buy a home, we're sick of this, we're sick of paying rent. <laughs> what's the uh, what, what's the first step for, for them to do? What should they do right away? Well, the first step before you go out and even look at anything, um, you really should know what you're approved for, you know, what your buying power is. And by doing that, you can, you know, look online. Um, there are, you know, companies online like Quicken is also local lenders you know you 
you know, banks, institutions, mortgage companies. Go in, sit down, and talk to them. Don't be nervous. They're there to help. They, you know, they want to try to get you into the home that you want. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they're they're able to because there's plenty of different loan programs out there for everybody. Yeah, all right. So the the guy. So you have to figure out how much money you you can get. What's your uh, approval? And how, once they go to a lender. Uh, essentially, that's they're applying for a mortgage. Well, they're not really applying for the mortgage just yet. They, okay. They look into them and they say, okay, you know, credit's good, your work history's good, things like that. Um, with what they make, they estimate, you know, okay, you could make X amount, so this is what you could pay, so this is what you can afford to purchase. Um, some lenders do go and they also will do what they call a prequal, which they'll look into a person a little bit deeper. So there's a little bit, you know, they're almost halfway through the loan process at that point. Mm -hmm. But uh, the first step is just making sure you can get pre-approved because it tells you what you should be looking at, what you shouldn't be looking at. Absolutely, absolutely. So w once they get uh, the pre-approval, that's what's going to lead them into applying? Or are they or, No, or they, they won't have to apply for a, a full mortgage until they finally get an offer on a house that's accepted. And then, you know, there's a mortgage contingency clause in there and they'll have to apply for their full-blown mortgage by a certain date um, once you know the, the agent or whoever writes up the offer puts that you know mortgage contingency together once they do that that's when you apply for the full loan and then you go from there gotcha gotcha so it, let's talk about that uh, that step we'll, we'll talk about that uh, applying for it because we got our, our break will be at uh, at uh, 7.15, so we got some time. Now, could you t explain a little bit about what that process is like, actually applying uh, for the mortgage for a house? Well, y you know, that again, once you get to that point, um, you'd sit down with the lender. They would, they would have you come in. You'd sit down with them, and they would ask you to bring certain items in, maybe some pay stubs, maybe uh, some tax documents, things like that. And then, you know, that's when they'll actually start applying for the mortgage. There's several steps through the process to get from point A to point B. So, you know, you really don't know anything till you get a purchase sales agreement signed. Then it goes into what they call underwriting. The underwriters really scrutinize things. They look at everything. They might ask for several documents multiple times just to make sure that, you know, they're good to go. And at that point, then they'll issue what they call a mortgage commitment if they're, if they're approved. Gotcha, gotcha. And and you had mentioned uh, to me at one point too. When you're in this process, you don't want to uh, take on any uh, bigger bills or anything like that, right? In terms of no, we can talk about the mistakes <laughs> that buyers make, you know, um, later on. And it, and and it's obviously they don't know. So if nobody tells them, you know, they don't know. But one of the biggest biggest mistakes that buyers can make during the process is once they've been through, you know, home inspection, purchase sales sign smooth sailing they're waiting for the commitment letter they get their commitment letter and all of a sudden they get all excited the night before they're going to move into the house and they go to cotties and crank up the credit cards on furniture maybe buy a new <laughs> car because they're excited yeah and then all of a sudden they get a call says well wait a minute now we can't close because your debt to income ratio changed yeah yep. the lenders will look at your credit just before you close on your house one more time to make sure that nothing has changed so it, you know that's one mistake buyers do not want to make yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, folks, we're in studio with Fred Uria, who's a real estate agent uh, for Keller Williams Realty. We're talking about the kind of being a first-time home buyer, the process, what to expect. Uh, we'll be here until uh, Fred's going to be with us until seven to eight, and then uh, eight to nine, we're going to have Ty Waterman on, who's a candidate for city council at large. So we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, we're going to explain a little bit more about this process and what uh, first-time home buyers can expect. The Attleboro Health Department mm -hmm. offer. 
happens for students, in addition to lead testing by finger stick. If parents have questions or want to schedule an appointment for vaccinations, they can call the public health nurse, Jackie O'Brien at 508-223-2222, extension 3244. Please remember to bring your child's current immunization record to the appointment. Amigo Inc. is currently looking for qualified individuals to help fill various positions within the company. Located at 33 Perry Avenue, Amigo is offering full and part-time positions in addition to per diem opportunities. Amigo offers first, second, and third shift availability to help fit your needs and theirs. When you join Amigo, you will help to create a positive client experience for all the individuals we have the privilege of serving on a daily basis. For more information on all positions available, please call 508-455-6200 or visit our website at amigoinc.org. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Uh, What? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. This week on AACS, watch the performance of the Roots to Rocks band Black and White as they cap off this year's Concerts in the Park series. Throughout the night, concert goers were treated to the upbeat, timeless songs of the ages at Cape Friend Park. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS mobile app. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with uh, Freddie Uriot, the Paul Salguero Show. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, we're so giving some advice and tips to a uh, first-time home buyer. Uh, home buyers. Uh, Fred Uria is a real estate agent here in the local area uh, with uh, Keller Williams Realty. And uh, so, Fred, we were talking earlier. Uh, someone's interested in buying a home. They, they're sick and tired of paying their rent. They want to get. They actually want to get a home. Uh, they, let's say they get the pre-approval letter. What they can, what they can get. Uh, what's uh, where do they go from there? What's the next step for them? Well, I think you know some good advice for them would to actually be hire um, an experienced realtor as a buyer's agent. Um, first of all, it's free. I'll say it again, it's absolutely free. So I don't know why they wouldn't take advantage of that. I have a funny feeling a lot of buyers out there feel that if I call an agent, I'm going to have to pay that agent. I don't know what it's going to cost me. Um, so they, they really they don't. What happens is, is the buyer's agent gets paid from compensation uh, that's offered out on the MLS from the listing agent from whatever house that they're going to buy. So it's, it's free legal advice. They walk you through it step by step. You know, from making the offer to the home inspection, purchase and sales agreement, all the way right up to the closing. So, to me, it's a no-brainer. So, know? if they're if they're asking for money, don't run away. Yeah, I mean, if a buyer is <laughs> just out there asking for money, you know, then yeah, obviously, you know, you should probably think twice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, they're being compensated on one end, so if they're trying to get it on both ends, maybe. Maybe talk to somebody else, yeah, but you know, in all, <laughs> in all, you know, you sh- in all retrospect, you should actually, 
you know, talk to a few agents, you know, and, and interview them like a job because that's basically what you're ultimately hiring them to do. Yeah. You know, you want somebody that, you know, is, is going to be there. They're reputable. You can, there's plenty of websites nowadays you can check, you know, people's, you know, online uh, reviews from people that have been satisfied with whoever they've been working with. Um, I've had plenty of people out there that, you know, they ask you for certain advice and you tell them, you know, everything's, you know, right there. If it, it's, you know, if, if you don't like what I'm saying, you know, you can go on Google, you can Google it and you can yeah, look for yourself. You know, I mean, that's the same way as finding a, a reputable real estate agent. I mean, if you, if they're good, they'll have reviews. They, you know, there's, and there's some great new agents coming into the market as well. I mean, there's agents out there that are just getting their license now. They're new. Um, they're eager. But, again, it's free representation from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Take advantage of that. All right. So let's say they do. They get it. And now they're in, in the process of getting a realtor, right? Is that the next step for them? Yes. Yeah. And now, uh, to, you know, let's say, all right, they, they do a Google search. They check out the reviews. They get a realtor. What can they actually expect dealing with that realtor? What's what's the process going to be like once they actually uh, pick a realtor that they want to well, deal with? That realtor will sit down with them. They'll uh, say, okay, you've been pre-approved. Um, if they haven't been, there's another reason for using a realtor. That realtor's used several lenders like me. I, I've been doing this for over 15 years, so I, I've dealt with I don't know how many lenders around here. And, you know, the clients that I've had, if they've told me they were satisfactory, those are the lenders that I would say, here, Call these six lenders, call these eight lenders, interview them for a job. It's like the same thing. And they all have different programs. So, you know, if you don't have that 20% to put down, you could maybe go with an FHA loan with 3.5% down. You know, th- if you're a veteran, you get the VA. There's so many options out there that, you know, you really should sit down to it and talk to the professionals that do this every day. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a real estate agent just gets you a house. He's He or she's no, going to help you with the No, I, I treat every person that I ever deal with like a member of my own family. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, that's what that's what I want and because I build my business off my reputation and my referral business. So, again, you know, you want to do the right thing by your client all the time. So you, you, you just don't take them and just show them houses and slam them in there. There's a, it's, a, it's a long, lengthy process, and you're there to help. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so they find a realtor. They they get pre-approved. They get a, a, a and now um, is the next step for them to go shopping for a house? Is that how it goes? Yeah. See, here's here's what happens. You, you you sit down with your realtor. Your realtor, you know, like my clients, I'll sit down with them. We'll talk about what their goals are, what type of house they want. Some people don't like raised ranches. Some people don't like capes. The nice thing about that is. Once I put them on my MLS system, I can delete them from looking at even any of those. So they're looking at just what they want to see every time. Now, does something come on the market every day? No. But at least it gives them something to say, hey, let's go look at these three houses on Friday night or, mm-hmm. you know, Thursday afternoon or Saturday morning. And, you know, that gets them out there shopping. You don't really want to go out and look at one house a day. It's not a vitamin. Yeah. You yeah. know, by the time you looked at four, you might think you like the first one better and you go back to that first one; it's already under agreement. So you should yeah. look at multiple homes at one at one time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's say uh, they're looking at homes, but they, you know, they. Uh, how many homes does the average person actually even look at? To that fluctuates. I've had people that knew exactly what they wanted. Um, they they wanted to be in a certain area, certain you know town. They look at maybe four or five colonials done, four or five ranches done. Then you got other people out there that, you know, they basically, they're nervous. They don't know what they want. They haven't decided yet. And, you know, those people there, you just, you know, you show them as many as they need to see. 
Yeah. But because of my own curiosity and maybe some of our listeners who aren't too familiar, could you tell us a little bit about what's a colonial? What's a ranch? Well, a ranch is one level. A colonial is kind of like um it's usually flat face tall i mean i live in one myself but mine's got a you know farmer's porch on it uh the different shapes um it's like a raised ranch a raised ranch would have um big windows oh, okay so you could have like a nice finished basement with big windows a colonial you don't have that gotcha so i mean some people like a raised ranch over a colonial because mm-hmm. they can finish the basement with the big windows and the walkout and and me i kind of prefer the colonial because i don't you know I don't need the basement when I have the other two floors. And some yeah, people yeah. just want a ranch, one floor living. Yeah, absolutely. So it, Personal it, preference. It, it's good to know that uh, the real estate agent actually knows uh, these different types of houses and what to actually look for. Uh, all right, so the family, a family finally says, all right, this is the house we want. This is the house well, we want to push for. Uh, how's that process like? Where is that going to um, well, start? That, again, that's when if they see something they like, that's when we – we talk about it, see what you know. You know they want to put in an offer for. Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll ask you to pull, you know, sold comps to see what the what's going out there. Especially in a seller's market right now, everything's going, you know, pretty much almost for asking price. Some mm-hmm. have gone for more. So you know, you sit down, you discuss that with them, ask them. You know, they're going to have to put down a what they call an EMD deposit, which is earnest money deposit. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, when you make an offer, you bind that offer with a deposit. When you get to the purchase and sales agreement, you buy you bind that with another deposit. So, that being said, that has to be written in the offer up front because the purchase sales will re- pretty much reflect what the offer was. So you put the offer in. Hopefully, you get accepted. If not, you might go back and forth negotiate with the seller, mm-hmm. um, the seller's agent. Once you do get that, then basically I have to take that earnest money deposit that we promised, give it to the listing agent. They, in turn, give it to their broker. It goes into what they call an escrow account. Mm-hmm. That money is held on to the escrow account until the closing date. But the checks do cash, so you want to make sure that when you write a check for the escrow, yeah. you have the money in that account because if not, then your deal is probably going to be done at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when they uh, make their offer, uh, do does it happen often that there, there are counters, or is it typically – smooth or is that a process where it could it 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 varies it varies every every scenario is different that's one thing i like about real estate you know it's not cut and cut and dry every every everyone's different from the offer process to the ending process but with the offer sometimes you know if, if the buyer comes in a little low and the seller thinks that they're low and you know he might even have other offers on the table he's looking at that you don't know about yeah so you you know he might come back to you and say you know you offer three eighty nine. He says, "No, I want three ninety nine." Yeah, and you come back and say, "Okay, three ninety five, and then you get a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. Alrighty, folks, we're in uh, we're in studio with Fred Uriat, who is a real estate agent for uh, Keller Williams Realty. Talk, kind of explaining and giving tips and advice to uh, a first time home buyer. Kind of explaining the entire process for them. Um, I'm going to take a break early just because the next segment we go into is going to be uh, we're going to cover some. Uh, a good amount of material with it so if, if you stick around we're going to talk about more once your earnest money deposit is uh done and, and we're going to talk about what, what comes afterwards with that with the escrow period and kind of what uh homeowners can expect so stick around we'll be right back after this 
In order to accommodate working parents and school times, an unlikely story in Plainville will host a Sunday story time on the first Sunday of every month. Story time consists of a half hour of stories, songs, and a simple craft, and is recommended for ages two to six, but all story lovers are welcome. Registration will open one week before. Only children need to register. The next story time will take place on Sunday, October 7th at 11 a.m. and run until 11.30. To register for the event, you can visit their website and unlikelystory.com. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. You sit down at your table, you get your card. 25 squares hold the key. Which one will it be? I-25, O-72, or Lucky B-13? Which one will be the square that makes you jump up and shout, Bingo! The Attleboro Elks Lodge, 1014, hosts Bingo each Sunday at 887 South Main Street. Open to the public, the kitchen opens at 5 p.m. with a variety of food available. Bingo starts at 6 p.m. Prizes are awarded and proceeds support Elks Charities. For further details, you can visit attleboroelks.org or you can call 508-222-5502. Remember, Elks care, Elks share. Alrighty, folks, we're back in the studio with Fred Uriot, who is a uh, lifelong resident of Attleboro. He's a real estate He's currently a real estate agent for Keller Williams uh, Realty, and we're talking about being a first-time home buyer. What to expect? What to do? What's the whole process like? Advice, tips. So if you're if you're thinking about buying a home or you know someone who's buying a home, this is going to be the perfect segment to actually listen to. If you listen to anything I say once in a while, listen to this one. Um, so Fred, let's you know we, we talked about you know making the offer. Let, let's the guy guy makes him an offer he can't refuse. You know, so <laughs> too many movies. <laughs> so the, the guy finally makes uh, or woman or family makes an offer on the house. Uh, it gets accepted. What can they expect now? Okay. At this point, this is where another reason why you should have a realtor. They're going to help you out with this process as well. I mean, you're going to need to do a home inspection. Usually your home inspection period that they allow you to have is 7 to 10 days. If you, you know, take any longer than 10 days, you'd have to ask for an extension or they, or you null, you know, null and void your home inspection. So your agent would, you know, at this point say, okay, I've had several clients like I have through the years use X amount of home inspectors. Mm-hmm. Here's a list. Call them all. Again, interview them for a job. That's what you're doing. Ask them how much it's going to cost, what they're going to do for their money. Um, ask them, you know, how much extra for a radon test, if you want to do a mold test, a pest inspection test. These are all important questions that you want to ask these people because they're the professional coming out that you're going to pay to inspect the new home that you're, you're trying to purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want it to end up like the money pit you know, yeah, yeah. afterwards. So you want to make sure that what you're buying is what you're getting. 
And um, so you do that and uh, you pick the one you want. We set up the home inspection. You go through the home inspection process. Now this is one thing I will say to all buyers because obviously if you're a first time home buyer, like I was at one time, you're excited, you're nervous, you're excited, you're nervous, <laughs> you, your, your mind's a roller coaster. So yep. with a home inspection, the home inspector is gonna come out and they're gonna, their job is to look at the entire house. They're gonna show you every little thing that you probably didn't see when you walked through it. Um, some of it's gonna be minor. The majority of times it is. Sometimes it's not so minor. Yeah. I can give you an example. One time I was doing a home inspection for somebody and I've never had this happen to me in, in all the years I've been doing this. The home inspector actually stopped the home inspection. No kidding. Yeah, he says to me, he goes, right now me and your clients should go outside. So I said, all right, we go outside. We sit in the driveway. He looks at my clients and says, I will stop the home inspection right now, and you don't have to pay me. But if I go any further, then you're going to pay me the full rate. But what he had found is there was so much termite damage. I mean, it was extensive. I mean, from the main beam to the sills to I've never seen a home inspector stop a home inspection. Mm -hmm. So at that point, my clients said, you know, they wanted to continue. Yeah. I advised against it. The home inspector advised against it. Yeah. But, you know, the wife's husband was a carpenter and you know he says he dealt with that all the time yeah, so yeah. he decided to take it on it yeah. wasn't a deal breaker so it, it's something that uh a, you know first time home buyer should look at and say listen do we even have the money to take on some of these responsibilities that uh you know and now can you give us an example of what a minor one is that might be you know something like oh, that, that that shouldn't deter us away from getting this this home uh, minor minor things can be anywhere from like uh uh, um, a GFCI receptacle that isn't working properly, uh, you know, cosmetic stuff, maybe a little bit of rot on an exterior trim, you know, that might be from just getting wet and not being painted for the years, you yeah. know, things like that. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, anything structural, you know, majorly mechanical, things like that, mm -hmm. you know, that's when you'd really, you know, want to consider. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing is, is after the home inspection, it's like a negotiation. If something is wrong with it, like say the the water heat is leaking, yeah, it's a thousand dollars, right? So you go to the homeowner and see if he's willing to fix it. If he's mm -hmm. willing to fix it, great. If he's not, then you know you decide at that point, you know what yeah. you want to do. Uh, there's a lot of times where you know minor stuff. It, there's nothing you really can do. I mean, you can't say you want your money back over a thirty-five dollar plug. Yeah, yeah. Now, th that home inspection, when, uh, you know, we talked about the, kind of the test, the radon test and stuff like that, are, is every home inspection, they cover the same exact thing over and over, or is it kind of, uh, when you tell the inspector he'll do certain tests that you just are, that you want done, or is it typically universal? No, you have to ask for certain tests, like, you know, some people, if you get a finished basement, you're going to spend a lot of time down there. People definitely want to ask to have a radon test done. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners uh, who may not know, what is a, a radon test? Well, radon is actually an um, a oldest gas that's under the ground caused by ledge. But it's it's been known to cause cancer, one of the leading causes of cancer in the country. Okay. So um, it's something that if you're going to spend a lot of time down in the basement, yep. you know, the magic number is 4.0, anything higher than 4.0, should have a mitigation system put in, which is basically, you know, a way of correcting that radon. It basically blows it out of the basement and into the air. Gotcha. So it can be rectified. It's not that it can't be rectified. Gotcha. All right. So they get the home inspection. It's all it's all done. And they say, you know what? Everything looks good. We want it. 
what uh, what do they what do they do now? What's well, first thing I do with my people is wh- whenever we do a home inspection, I, s- I ask them to sit down. You know, later on, they're going to get a report from the home inspector. Sit down, take a deep breath, go through the whole thing page by page. Write down your concerns. Then we'll talk about it. And then what I do is I usually typically print up a home inspection request and I send it to a listing agent and say, these are the things they're looking for. Now, she will present it to the seller. He might say, okay, well, I'm willing to take on five of these eight things or three of these eight things. So, you know, you go back and forth and you negotiate that. Now, at that point, once everybody's agreed on what's going to happen, then I put in, you know, an agreement between the parties saying that this is what they've agreed upon, put it in there, make sure that I put in that all work shall be performed on before the final walkthrough. That way, everything's done before they buy the house and have all the parties sign it, the seller, the buyers, and now you get an agreement that... So after that, then you you know you move on to the purchase sales agreement. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, and what what is the purchase sales agreement? What's the, that process the like purchase, for a home? Purchase buyer? sales agreement is actually the contract. That's the okay. contract between the parties. That's the contract that the lender wants to see, the attorneys want to see, and that the reason why the offer is so important too is because whatever you write in the offer has to be reflected in the purchase sales agreement. Gotcha, and. Uh, so the purchase sales agreement happens. They like it. Is that uh well? That's another point. Like the purchase sales agreement. Like going back to the offer I said. Yeah. You have to bind the offer with a earnest money deposit, and then mm-hmm. when you sign the purchase sales agreement, you bind that with some more earnest money deposit. So again, once you si- everybody signs the contracts, and I got to take that second check, give that to the listing agent. She in turn gives it to a broker, and that goes in the escrow account until the day of closing. Gotcha. And uh, is the next step going towards the closing for these home buyers, or is well, once they sign the purchase and sales agreement, that's what I'm saying. It's a step by step process. Yeah. And if you have a professional helping you, it'll be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot smoother most times. So, um, once once you sign the purchase and sales agreement, this is when you send it to your lender. Once and then that's when your lender will actually send it to underwriting, and then the real fun begins. They start calling you, asking you for more stuff, more, you know, taxes, more pay stubs, and they might ask for this stuff several times, and sometimes it can get a little frustrating, but the faster you respond, the smoother it's going to be for the underwriter and for you, Yeah, you know what I mean, to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So once that happens, you get through underwriting, and there's no problems at all, you know, then they give you what you call a mortgage commitment letter, which is what that mortgage contingency clause is in the offer where I said that you don't apply for the full mortgage until you know your offer has been accepted yeah yeah well that's important because when you do that that protects you from if you can't get your mortgage commitment say for some reason the bank says no we can't give you the loan Mm -hmm. as long as you file for your mortgage by that time then that you will get your money back gotcha gotcha that's always good to know yeah very (laughs) important to know all right um so let's see they got the mortgage uh, agreement now uh from there, how do we get to the closing? What's the how do we how do we everybody get everybody wants to get to the closing? Uh, how do we get I mean, <laughs> how do we get to get the house? I want the house. How do we do that? All right, everybody wants that. So after you get your mortgage commitment letter, basically within a short period, the lender will issue what they call a clear to close. In that point, you know, basically the closing attorney once he finds out there's a you know clear to close, they will call up at everybody or email everybody, let them know a specific time. Uh, where you're supposed to be, 
he might have it at the you know whatever appropriate registry of deeds say it's bristol county plymouth county norfolk yeah. county yeah or they might choose to do it in their office so basically like i said before with the home inspection repairs and also you know the buyer once the buyer's agent has the time set for the closing then he or she can schedule what they call a final walkthrough mm-hmm. and what that is is the buyers get to do a final walkthrough of the property before they write on the dotted line and purchase the property so they can look and see one did they fully move everything out are they leaving yeah. me trash two if it's in broom swept condition three if they did exactly what they said they did and you know had the repairs made mm-hmm. a lot of times if it's something electrical plumbing wise I always ask in writing that it's been done by a professional licensed plumber, licensed electrician, and to supply us with a a paid receipt as proof that it was done. So, you know, I do everything I can to cover my bias, and a lot of these agents out there do as well. Absolutely. You know. And uh, the first time home buyer does their walkthrough, everything uh, seems smooth, everything seems it's all been done, and then... (laughs) <laughs> what are and they? then they better limber up because they got a stack of papers to sign for oh, the bank. That's when you sign here, initial here, sign here, initial here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, they you know, you go to the closing table, you sit down. The seller will sell, sign what he needs to sign. Then the buyer will sign what they need to sign. And usually, the buyers stay a little bit longer than the, the seller because they do have more paperwork to sign for the lender. Once everything's signed, completed, the you know the attorney goes over there and he. Uh, was a recording window records everything and mm-hmm. now you're a new homeowner bingo and and so sounds easy right it, it sounds easy but for our listeners what's kind of like the timeline that this all takes place how much time from well that's good that you asked that because years ago you could do things fairly quickly nowadays with the new lending laws and things that came into place um you know it takes a little bit longer they usually looking at like 30 days from pns to 45 days gotcha so you know it's basically a 60-day process once you know 45 to 60 days once you get the pn uh the offer accepted gotcha gotcha Alrighty, folks we're in studio with fred yariot who's a, a real a lifelong resident of attleboro he's been in the local area for a, a while he's uh, currently a real estate agent for uh, keller williams realty and we're talking about the first uh, being a first-time home buyer uh tips and advice kind of explaining the entire process uh things to look out for things to ask uh and just explaining the entire process for everyone. So we're going to take uh, a, a quick break now because uh, I don't want to start, uh, you know, another portion of this and have to do it in the middle of it. But once we come back, we're going to uh, explain a little bit about uh, mistakes uh, home buyers tend to make throughout this process, uh, specific ones, maybe a couple examples, and then uh, you know we'll, we'll get into uh, you know last bits of uh, advice and kind of wrap things up with the, this. And then from the eight o'clock to nine o'clock segment, we're going to have Ty Waterman on who is a candidate for city council at large, and we're going to discuss his candidacy. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Are you looking for an opportunity to help others and give back to your community? Community VNA is seeking volunteers to join our interdisciplinary team dedicated to supporting patients and their families during a difficult time in their lives. Applications are now being accepted for our upcoming hospice volunteer training. A 20-hour orientation program will be held Tuesdays and Thursdays, September 6th through September 27th from 9 a.m. to noon at Community VNA, 10 Emory Street in Attleboro. To learn how you can make a difference in the life of another, call Community VNA Hospice at 508-222-0118 or visit 
www.communityvna.com. Looking to make a difference? Have extra time during the week? The Literacy Center is looking for you. By becoming a volunteer at the Literacy Center, you could help someone learn to read, study for their citizenship test, learn English, and even help them with their high school equivalency. For more information on how to volunteer or join the next tutor training, you can view our website at theliteracycenter.com or call 508-226-3603. The Literacy Center, building a better community. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight-up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Alrighty, folks, we're back in the studio with Fred Yuriat. We're talking about being a first-time homebuyer, things to do, what not to do, uh, explain the whole process for someone or that's interested in buying a home. Uh, maybe they, they, they don't know where to begin, but if, so if you know anyone that wants to buy a home or is thinking about buying a home, show them this segment because we talked about the entire process uh, from point A to point Z and kind of, you know, you know we, my favorite's the closing, you know, sign this, you know, initial here, you know, see you later. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, mistakes because, Fred, you've been doing it for a while. Are there some common mistakes you often see, uh, you know, that other home buyers are making? I see mistakes that they make. Yeah, that's um, that's for sure. Sometimes I've, I've seen buyers go and put in an offer on their own, and then realize that they're in trouble. Then try to hire a real estate agent after the fact, and then you find out through the grapevine that they already put an offer in on that house, and then you know it becomes a real nightmare at that point because then they're saying, "Well, you didn't present the offer; they did." Mm-hmm. You know, so then you really have a hard time representing them for that that piece of property so again I can just reiterate just hire a professional to help you in the beginning and, and you know see what they can do for you yeah. interview them you know and get them out there and work on your behalf yeah does it does it kind of does it help your odds if you're you have a real estate agent in your corner too in in this process does it help the odds or does it I think it helps your odds because you don't know exactly if, if you've never done it before and you're a first-time home buyer and even regular buyers that haven't bought a house in a while may not understand, you know, how the lending laws changed a few years ago and things like that yeah. and how they can affect a closing and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of important. I mean, the, the, it's like an electrician. You wouldn't hire a plumber to do an electrician's yeah, job. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't hire an you know, electrician to do a plumber's job unless they're licensed both for some reason, but <laughs> that's how they have it. Again, that's why these professionals are there. That they're here to help, and I, I can't reiterate enough that it's 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 free. Yeah, absolutely. And because c- I'm curious, too, it, you know, would you rather? Uh, is it better for a first-time home buyer to buy uh, a home that's for sale through a real estate company or uh, for sale by owner? Is are the two processes 
different or is it the same thing just you're going through an owner as opposed to dealing with well a real estate it, agent? it is different the fact that w- when you go through real estate companies there's you know there's disclosures and things like that to protect the buyer mm-hmm. um you know when you go for sale by owner which you know people probably if sale by owner aren't going to like this but you know th- if they're not there's no disclosures to the buyer it's almost like let the buyer beware in yeah, other words. yeah and sometimes for sale by owners don't want to allow a buyer to have a real estate rep you know represent them other times you know i've done it i've called you know for sale by owner say listen i got a buyer for your property yeah you know if you're willing to pay us a commission yeah you know then i'm I'm willing to you know and and basically at that point i would have the seller sign disclosures to protect the buyer yeah absolutely you know and uh are there any other uh, other common mistakes you you, you've seen or uh, maybe pieces of advice things to avoid uh for a home buyer or maybe um you know, maybe some advice an average Joe might give to someone that hasn't been in real estate. It's like, hey, don't don't listen to that. That's not uh, that's not accurate. Um, well, yeah, I mean, again, uh, it's it's something that happens all the time. But one mistake that people tend to make is, you know, I'll go to the ho- home, uh, the open house, or I'll call the guy on the sign. I'll get a better deal. That's not the case. I mean, that's the seller's agent has a signed contract with the seller to do what's in the best interest for the seller. Gotcha. Now there are different disclosures you can sign, um, you know, as far as being a dual agent, and as long as the the sellers agree to that, then the selling agent can do that. But you know, on the other end of that, basically at that point, you know, they're really just a mediator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so most and most sellers will say, "What did I hire you for if you're not going to represent me?" Yeah, yep, absolutely. So I, I think that you know that's another. You know, thing they get in their head that they can, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat them. I'm gonna save twenty grand, but you're, mm-hmm. you're really not. Yeah, yeah. You know, because as a listing agent, I already know what you know my seller's goals are, where they want to be, you know, how much they're willing to go down, things like that. So that's what that seller's agent already knows. And I, me and everybody else, you know, we're professionally bound to treat people fairly, which you have to, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we're gonna. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, we're we're going to start wrapping up eventually, but uh, so if you could give, uh, what's one of the most important pieces of advice you can tell a home? You know, someone who's like, "Hey, my friend's trying to buy a home. He doesn't know where to start." What's the one piece of advice or two tips or whatever that you would give uh, a first-time home buyer or someone uh, someone thinking about buying a home? Well, the f- first two tips I, I basically would say, you know, definitely hire a professional you're comfortable with. Um, has good business background, negotiating skills, has a proven track record. Uh, they're familiar with the entire process, start to finish. And that you're also, the biggest thing too is personality. You're yeah. going to spend the next two to four to six months with this person. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't click and you don't get along, or you think that, you know, you got to use, you know, the guy out there that's trying to sell you that, you know, the car, the tires are going to fall off when you drive down the road. Yeah and you have that feeling, then maybe that's not the realty you should be working with. So that's, you know, that's another reason why you want to interview these people, including myself. I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and find the one that works for you, and then and then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think, especially with, like, technology nowadays, you can find info on almost anybody. You know what I mean? So that's why, you know, you think, it, at least me, it, you know, it's equivalent to, if you're thinking about going to a new restaurant you don't know, or if you're trying to go to a, a mechanic, 
I always hop online, check out the reviews because honestly, I, I feel like nowadays that's how a lot of decisions are made. You know, even when you're on, you know, online trying to buy a new a new book or something like that, you check out the reviews, see what people are saying about it. Is it even worth it? So, right. so it, I think that's definitely a good tip for our. our I bot. mean, think about it. None of us even go to Home Depot or Lowe's before we've gone online to check out who has the best price. Yeah, exactly. And then you go to wherever you know. So, I mean, even things like that. So, hiring professional, again, even home inspectors or you know lenders, you should talk to to different ones and then make a decision. Yeah, because essentially it's up to the home buyer. You know, that's a it's a huge step for them. So at least at least you know, in my opinion, if I was in that process, I'd want to make sure I'm interviewing everybody because ultimately you're going to be the one living in there. You know, so you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to interview a hundred agents, but I think that, you know, if you if you interview a few, yeah. gives you an idea of who you feel comfortable with, and you know, and go from there. I mean, there's a lot of great agents out there. Yeah, inclu- yeah. Including myself. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, but um, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to go from A to Z. <laughs> no, but you uh, won't have a house. Yeah, but I think it's a, at least you know. I think five. I think is a, a good. Uh, Sure. A number. And then uh, because, you know, I always think about it, you know, if you're in court, you want to have the best lawyers in your corner, right? So oh, I yeah. figured you, you hire the dream team, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think ultimately you want to uh, you want to hire the best agents or, you know, inspectors or whatever that's going to be in your corner and help you. But uh, so how is it being a real estate agent? Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Every day is different. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm different places all the time. Like I said, I'm licensed in Mass and Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, deals in Rhode Island. I have a deal right now in, in uh, Smithfield. They just sold a house in North Smithfield. A few in Attleboro. Um, they got a listing over there in Norton, another one coming in Attleboro. So, I mean, you just keep keep going, and it, it's great to yeah. meet different people. Like I said, everything's different. Uh, I did a lot of foreclosure prevention and short sales uh, when the market, you know, went bad, and helped a lot of desperate people through desperate times and you know it, it, it felt great to actually help these people it's kind of like getting a big weight lifted off of their shoulders yeah. and a lot of times at the end they actually you know they, they're really grateful that you were able to help them out yeah that brings up a point too uh if it, in, i don't know if it's a, a law now or not but uh in 2008 you know, a lot of people with like fixed uh a fixed mortgage rate versus uh, those that can fluctuate. Would you advise someone to make sure they have a fixed interest rate, or does it not matter? Or, well, I, I, that's again, that's when uh, some of these lending laws changed, and some of that, you know, subprime uh, lending that uh, was going on, where they were actually, you know, I mean, there was a loan out there where you could pick your payment at one time. I mean, mm-hmm. that's at that point, it's like who is going to, you know, if you tell somebody, hey, you can pay interest only, you could pay. You know your full mortgage payment with the interest, so you could pay less than interest. Who who's going to pay the full full amount? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on that really shouldn't have went on. And uh, you know, actually, there's a movie out there called The Big Short. Kind of explains yeah, a little yeah. bit about what went on during yeah. the housing market crisis. And uh, they came in and they changed a lot of the ways things are done. These lenders are no longer allowed to talk to the, from what I understand, allowed to talk to the appraisers anymore. They just put in for an appraisal, and some company picks it up and runs with it. Years ago, they were able to call an appraisal company and say, "Hey, you appraise this house down the street for 420. I need this one to come in at 430." Gotcha. And and things like that. So I mean, a lot of that, you know, has has gone away. So, but you know, getting back to your question, I feel that anybody that um, you know could use a, a get a mortgage. I think to me, I always like to know what my interest rate is going to be for yeah. the next 30 years. Yeah. So I do kind of like the fixed rate better, but you know sometimes you take 
the adjustable rate and then refi and maybe get into a, you know, but that's, you know, that's why you talk to a professional lender. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they do, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, are you just, you just sell houses or is it all different? Uh, you do apartments or? I, I don't do too many rentals, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I do more, you know, more sales than anything. I've sold anywhere from, you know, condos to regular houses to, you know, even even mobile homes, which, again, is another whole scenario because mm-hmm. um, a lot of, you know, lenders don't finance mobile homes, which most people don't know. Gotcha. So you have to go to the certain ones that will actually, you know, finance them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so you're licensed both in Rhode Island and Mass. Are there big differences between buying a home in Rhode Island and Mass or...? It's different in, in, in certain ways. That the thing is, in, in Massachusetts here, you know, we do what we call a written offer and, you know, and then go to the purchase sales agreement. A lot of times in Rhode Island, you can go straight to the purchase sales agreement and just, you know, maybe do a verbal offer or fill out the purchase sales. I, to me, even in Rhode Island, I still like to do a written offer. Yeah, absolutely. And I send it in and say, listen, here's the offer. Let me know. Let's negotiate it before we even bother typing up a P&S, you know. So it is a little different. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, because I'm uh, I'm thinking about another thing in my head. So if you're, uh, would you recommend being a real estate agent to to an up and coming? Uh, I don't know, maybe mid twenties. Uh, would I recommend it? Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, do you like being a real estate agent? Would you would you tell someone that's ah, a good career to go into? Why not? I will say this: I love being a real estate agent. I've been doing it a long time. Um, it is. It, it can be a tough career. I've seen a lot of. Real estate agents with a market tank, um, you know, have to go take a job. Uh, some people actually lost their cars because, yeah. you know, if it, it's not a it's not a uh, business where you can just sit at home and think things are going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that where you have to get out. You have to, you know, constantly work at it every day. You have to, you know, try to be in touch with people, build a client database, do all kinds of things that most people don't realize and yeah you know even myself when i was young when i got my license i was all excited i got my license and you walk out the door saying all right i'm going to sell a house today yeah yeah and it doesn't work that way yeah. you know i think a good thing is me if i was looking into a real estate agent i would see if, if that person's in that community if they're local you know what i mean i i think that's an important element too because you know like you said you, you've lived in Attleboro, you know the community because a lot of the in my opinion being a real being involved in real estate it's it's not so much just buying and selling a home, but it's knowing that community, knowing if it's the right fit for that uh, that family that's even thinking about mo- moving into you know that place. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you know, if somebody's looking to be in Attleboro, and you, you know, you can't get any better than somebody that's born and raised here and has seen the changes that's gone through the city and things like that, where it was, where it's you know seems to be heading. Um, you know, and some people you know coming down from Boston, they don't. They don't really realize the the rich history that was in the city of Attleboro at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, now we get you know it's changing in different directions, and I think that change is a good thing. You know, as bad as you know, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. But I think that you know, it is where we are right now, and uh, the city's definitely growing. There's houses going up on Oak Hill Avenue, Slater yeah. Street. Um, they're they're going up everywhere, and you know the thing is though is right now that in the uh price range from two two hundred to i'd say three seventy five there's not a lot of those homes available mm-hmm. um you know so basically it's the inventory is 
there's definitely a lot of half a million dollar houses out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the builders are building them, and uh, they're beautiful, you know. Is is there a specific community right now that uh, the market's really booming in or uh, that you see a lot of people tend to gravitate towards a specific community right now? I've seen a lot of people start to gravitate towards Attleboro because we have the, you know, the, the... the train station and the mm-hmm. bus station and you know people can come from boston and, and they can actually be in boston for work and be home and you know they get a nice house with a decent yard rather than you know a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house with a posted stamp lot where yeah you run three feet you run into the fence yeah exactly you know so i think that you know that's helping you know the housing market out this way yeah i think adabro is a great location because like you said you can come from here to boston uh on the train or even drive but you also have providence too you're we're really close to providence as well mm-hmm. and so it's a good uh good midpoint i think but um because you know, i'm curious too is there a, you know the, the the income to debt ratio is that more important than um what someone actually makes annually is there like you know can someone buy a house if they make forty grand a year, or is that just too uh, too low for someone? Or is it more what what their debt to ratio actually? Well, it all comes into play. I mean, if your debt to income ratio is high and you only make it forty grand, then chances are you eat noodles or noodles for dinner and things like that because you, you you're spending money on you know a car payment that's you know five hundred dollars a month. So basically, everything comes into play, you know, in that factor. So. You know, but there, there really is that they would be looking at probably more of a condo situation. Gotcha. Yeah, and which uh, is fine. There's plenty of nice condos out there. You know, I mean. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, it's something to always think about. You know, so if anyone's interested in buying a, a home, I like you said, I think one of the biggest pieces is to actually uh, get a real estate agent, know uh, what they do. Um, you know, get them in your, your corner because ultimately that's the biggest thing. Now, if someone's uh, interested in getting in contact with you, uh, how can they do so? Oh, if somebody wanted to get in contact with me, my uh, direct number is 774-254-5900. Again, that's 774-254-5900. And if they wanted to uh, look at any reviews of me, they can find my name, find me on Zillow, Trulia, and uh, my website, www.realtorfrediariat.com. And then, uh, how do we spell Uriot? U-R-I-O-T. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. There you have it. This is Fred Uriot, who's a real estate agent uh, in local area in Atterboro and Plainville. Uh, you can uh, contact him, like he said, your number, or look him up on Facebook. He's on Facebook, too. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be it uh, for this 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock segment. We talked about you know buying a home, what the process is like. And then uh, Ty Waterman's actually in studio now. We're going to talk about his candidacy from uh, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to WARA, 1320 AM, Attleboro. Welcome to the AACS Daily News. The South Attleboro Lions and the South Attleboro Village Lions Clubs held their 30th annual Lee's Pond Festival on Saturday. We spoke with organizers Ken and Karen Benoit to learn more. Uh, We're co-chairing this thing. It's 30 years. I think we've been doing it maybe five years ago. They almost let it go, but we got it going now. It's going pretty good. The Lee's Pond Festival is to show how much we appreciate the community of the Attleboro's and it's just to give back to them. Um, We have old-fashioned prices in our food court and just fun for the kids that come and the adults if they want to sit and listen to the music. We have 
hay bales here and pretty soon the wrestlers will be here and the ponies will be here. But it's a fun time for the community. We have a, a jumpy house, a different one. It's a, it looks like a castle. Um, we have a photo booth where the kids can dress up in costume and they think they look really cute and they are adorable. Then of course we have our arcade that we have all the time with many, many prizes. Kids love that. We have music and Ed Lopes and the Villainaires are here and then we have face painting, we have pumpkin faces, you can put a face on the pumpkin. We have sand art, we have spin art and you can do bubbles. We have a lot of things going here for the kids, plus we have popcorn and nachos. Pretty soon, like I said, I think it said before, the wrestlers and the ponies will be here. Yeah, right. It really isn't a fundraiser. We try and make enough money so that we can have this festival next year. We want to be able to pay for the things that we want to have. That's what we use the money for. So we don't call it a fundraiser. Yeah. Cheeseburgers and stuff like that, it's just pay for the uh the meat again or whatnot for next year. So our prices are really low for cheeseburgers. What, a couple dollars opposed to five dollars, you know? It's cheap. A, a dollar for soda, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Everything's so cheap. It's really cheap time to come to and have a good time, you know? That's all, I mean, the ponies, you got ponies coming in, the wrestlers, the kids love the wrestlers. They love to get, wrestlers love to get the kids mad and, you know, make a show of it. So it's a good time. We got support here by the police and the fire. You know, they support us every year. So it, it's a great time and, uh, Hopefully we can keep it going. That's the whole thing too, you know. It takes a lot of people to run it, really, you know. It takes a lot of planning. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of planning and you never know. I mean, it's still cloudy now. Well, I just hope the darn sun comes out. And I'm watching people starting to flock in now, you know. By two o'clock, I know for sure how we're doing, you know. I'd like to see a good crowd by then. That's it for today's update. You can watch all of our content by visiting our website, doubleacs.com, by downloading the AACS mobile app, or by visiting the AACS Roku channel. For AACS News, I'm Austin Ricketts. Going back eight days, we've had anywhere from six to eight inches of rain spread out, though, and many times at night, so it hasn't been a big deal. And it's good news for the lawns, gardens, late season growing, and also the ponds, the lakes, the reservoirs are running rather high. Good stuff. Tonight, we'll have moonbeams mixed with clouds falling down to about 56 by morning. Clouds early, then some sunshine tomorrow, a high of 66. Nice and refreshing. Mostly clear. Look for areas of ground fog late at night. This is the time of year we start seeing ground fog at night late as the nights continue to get longer, cooling off to the mid-50s. Rapid rise in temperature on Friday, becoming breezy in the afternoon out of the southwest. That'll send temperatures into the mid and upper 70s. A quick shower late at night on Friday, and then increasing sunshine in the low 70s on Saturday. Good news for outdoor activities then, and guess what? Mainly sunny, refreshing in the 60s on Sunday. Sunday morning! Could it reach 48? Stay tuned. For 1320 AM, I'm Jim Corbin. Ah, enjoy. Does your back hurt after a long night's sleep? Has your mattress seen better days? Is your current bedroom furniture a mixture of different furniture sets? The Bedding Center, located on Pleasant Street and proud sponsor of this radio station and high school sports, offers a wide array of mattresses along with beds, bedroom furniture, and odd-sized mattresses and box springs. You can reach them online at bedding-center.com or by phone at 508 Two two six eight zero nine zero.
Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air. The Polo Salguero Show will be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, earlier, we heard from Fred Uria, who is a real estate agent. We talked about uh, advice for first-time home buyers, what to expect. We could explain the entire process for them, mistakes they tend to make. Uh, and then now we're in studio with Ty Waterman. We're going to talk a little bit about his candidacy, kind of a, what he's been doing, um, what's going on in the community, things he wants to see done. And we'll be here until 9 o'clock, so I'd like to welcome Mr. Ty Waterman. Ty, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Paula. Appreciate it. How's it going? Well, every day I have a physical experience. Yeah? I get on my bike, and I bike around different parts of the city. Today I was in Ward 5B. Mm -hmm. um, along, well, I wasn't on Oak Hill, but I was in that general area. And uh, I knock on doors, meet people. And I have a variety of interesting experiences. Um, and then at night, I try to write about them. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and um, I call it On the Trail with Ty. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Did you find time to enjoy the Red Sox? They're hanging in there tonight. <laughs> it's early. I hope Price can pull it off. I know. I, I saw a bit of it <laughs> last night, and then we were up by one. And then uh, look on this morning, I was a little bit disappointed. But... Uh, We'll see. I mean, it's the first time I was reading. I think it's the first time since 1942, 42 since they had a 100-win uh, season or something like that. 46, you're close. Was it 46? Yeah, right, the, 46. Year after they, the year they came back from the war, Ted Williams had just come back. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, that's when it happened. You like baseball, right? I love it. It's been, my, uh, it's been a huge part of my life since I was just a little tiny kid. Yeah, yeah. How, how did it impact you, baseball? Wow. Talk about a story. <laughs> well, my father was a professional um, minor leaguer. Oh, okay. He played five years in the minors. Cool. And I remember my mother's story. My dad was playing in Leavenworth, Oklahoma in the post-World War II period, late 40s. And my mother, who's... My parents were from Connecticut, so real New Englanders. Yeah. And there's a little difference between Oklahoma and Connecticut, I think. A little bit. <laughs> and my mother was staying in hotels while he would go on road trips. There was no air conditioning in those days, so I can only imagine. Yeah. And when she got pregnant, she told my dad, I'm going back to Connecticut. You keep playing ball. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I was born. So I never went on a road trip with my dad yeah, yeah, when yeah. he played. But he brought me up to... Um, uh, he brought me to games when I was as young as, as eight years old. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he brought me to uh, Ebbets Field where the Brooklyn Dodgers played in 1956. Wow. And I saw Jackie Robinson, who I'm sure you've heard of. Yes, I, I, I have, saw his I very last game. Wow. And, what uh, an experience, huh? Well, I had no idea who I was seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing, but yeah. an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. But I knew he was special. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw I saw it the day the Dodgers won the pennant in the last game of the season. Wow. And that. uh, that's how I thought baseball was supposed to be. I thought that was normal, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the Red Sox went, uh, oh, my God, from 1918 to 2004, 82, 86 years they never did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they never won the series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's, uh, I still remember the 2004 uh, uh, season because that was – 2003 is when I finally really started paying attention. I, I got lucky. My generation got lucky with the, the Red Sox. Yes, you did. <laughs> with championships. Yes, you did. <laughs> so uh, no complaints here from the Red Sox. I will tell you one story. When the Dodgers moved to L.A. in 1958, I was crushed. Mm -hmm. So my dad said, 
since we were from the Hartford area, he said, we're going to go to Connecticut. I mean, we're going to go to Massachusetts now. We're going to yeah. Boston. Yeah. I had never been in Massachusetts in my life. Yeah. So the very first time we ever came to Boston, and I was 10 years old, he said, we're going to meet Ted Williams. Well, I'd heard the name, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know a lot about Ted Williams. Yeah. We sat down near the dugout uh, on the home team side behind first base, and along came walking Ted Williams after batting practice no right kidding. towards us because we were with a fr my dad's friend who yeah. knew Ted in Korea, yeah. flying, flying uh, uh, <clears throat> fighters. So Ted recognized my dad's friend, waved, came right over, shook my hand, signed on my little ticket that I had because yeah. I didn't have anything for him to sign on. Yeah, yeah. And he gave me his baseball bat. No kidding, huh? Right there after batting practice. It had all the marks on it. It wasn't really? broken, wow. anything. No kidding. You still have it? Uh, yeah, I get asked that. <laughs> I slept with it for a year Yeah. in the bed, and then my mom came up to my bedroom one day, and he says, you know, you're a growing, growing boy now. You're a young man. You can't sleep with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> Just tuck it under the bed then. <laughs> <laughs> she says, what's going to happen to it? It goes into the tool shed. Oh, man. It turned into uh, <clears throat> just it dissolved. Oh yeah, well, let's not let's not talk about it. <laughs> that's that's a, a sad long story. story. <laughs> well, Ted Williams became my idol. Absolutely, and you even wrote a, a book on the Red Sox. Right? Yes, I did. 1918 Red Sox. Wonderful. The last World ch Champions before 2004. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna we're, I'm gonna be talking about that a week next Thursday. Not, oh, okay. not tomorrow, but the last Thursday in September. Oh, cool. I'm going to be at the library from oh, 6.30 cool. to 8 o'clock, and I hope a lot of people, uh, if you're a baseball fan, come. Yeah. I'm going to tell the story of the 1918 team. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. We're, we're in <coughs> studio with uh, Ty Waterman, who is a candidate for city councilor <coughs> at large. We're going to be here until uh, 9 o'clock. We're going uh, to talk about you know what's going on in the community. Uh, Ty's story and kind of what, what he wants to see done as a city councilor. What are the, some of the things that he wants to work on as a city councilor? So if you, uh, if you stick around, you'll learn a lot. So we'll be right back after these messages. Dr. Gary Highlander will return to Richards Memorial Library for a series of lectures titled Papers. The series starts with the Federalist Papers on Thursday, October 4th. It will be followed by the Pumpkin Papers on Thursday, October 18th, and the Pentagon Papers on November 1st. All lectures will take place at 7 p.m. Registration is required to attend these lectures. If you'd like to register, you can email librarian Maggie Holmes at mholmes at salesinc.org. Looking to make a difference? Have extra time during the week? The Literacy Center is looking for you. By becoming a volunteer at the Literacy Center, you could help someone learn to read, study for their citizenship test, learn English, and even help them with their high school equivalency. For more information on how to volunteer or join the next tutor training, you can view our website at theliteracycenter.com or call 508 226 
3603, The Literacy Center, building a better community. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting, a teenager learning the lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This year marks the 100th anniversary of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, an important bird protection law designed to hold industries accountable for bird deaths. To celebrate this, the Attleboro Library brings to you Birds of Prey. Join New England Reptile and Raptor exhibits as they showcase the different characteristics and behavior of a variety of birds and much more. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS Roku channel. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air with uh, Ty Waterman's Paul Salguero Show. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. We're going to discuss Ty Waterman's candidacy. He's running for a city councilor at large in the city of Attleboro. And, uh, you know, just showcasing what, what Ty has done in his career, what he hopes to do, and uh, what he's currently doing. Uh, so, uh, Ty, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself, what, you, what you've done in your, your career, what you... Sure. Your background. My, most of my life has been as a social worker, which I really enjoy. At least the people connection part. Yeah. Um, the writing part usually is filling out forms and writing on a computer and all that, and it's sort of the necessary part. But I love meeting with people and actually helping them with their problems. I sort of think of social work as helping people help themselves. So what I did, if I, I began uh, as a social worker at Rentham State School. Okay. And I was there six years. And uh, I was assigned to the locked wards there where there are some people who are locked for a reason. Mm -hmm. They can be violent on t at times. And um, I mean, not all the time by any means, but sometimes. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's intellectually disabled people. And I kind of graduated from that after six years. I was part of Michael Dukakis's last act as governor when 100 professionals were uh, laid off oh, okay. at Rentham. And I ended up moving into Boston and still working for the state, the Department of Developmental Services. And I basically um, was assigned to maybe 30, 40 clients all around metropolitan Boston. And, and I enjoyed that. And I ran uh, their annual um, uh, meeting, they called them an individual service plan. But what I really became to, got to enjoy was when I left the state on purpose, I wanted to work more personally and less paperwork. And I, got, I, I worked for one of the um, vendors that I was overseeing, and uh, Dare Family Services. And they worked in Rosendale, 
Rosendale Center, and then later on, after about six years, we moved to uh, Roxbury, right on Dudley Street. And I ran foster care. Gotcha. They were all state clients. Yep. So I had 19 years of running foster care. And uh, all the way from uh, Mattapan, Roxbury, out to Brockton. And uh, I loved it. I think after 19 years, I was ready for a change. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that's where Attleboro came in. I've been living here since 2002 and commuting into Boston. And gotcha. I went to work for the, uh, I, after about four days, I decided, no, I don't want retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly, uh, I was asked to be the social worker at the Attleboro, uh, at right, right downtown at the YMCA. Oh, okay. Yeah. How long have you been there now? This is my fourth year now. Fourth year. You liking it? I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a real example of affordable housing. It, it, is, it is a wonderful situation f- it, um, for, for men who are living alone. Gotcha. Basically. Yeah. It, they li- there's 14 dorm-sized rooms, which are very nice, and a common bath, common kitchen, and... I, I connect with, with the men around a whole variety of issues. Sometimes it might be um, individual problems they have in their life they just need to talk about. Sometimes it might be helping them figure out how to uh, get better jobs or even get back into the workforce. Gotcha. And medical care. Yeah. yeah we, we have a doctor that uh, has worked with many of our, our uh, folks that live in the Y uh, in Norton. Yeah. And um, he's terrific. And so now we have first-class medical care. There you go. Yeah. So you're working as a social worker and then uh, city council. Well, yeah, there was a lot in between. All right. Let's let's (laughs) talk about it. It's not my first foray into (laughs) the political world. Gotcha. When I was about 30, um, this I don't think I've told this to a lot of people. When I was about 30... I actually uh, got a job on a U.S. senator's staff. Oh, cool. Um, at the time, I lived in New Hampshire, and uh, it was United States Senator Thomas McIntyre. Cool. Who, um, I think, yeah, w- by the time I met him, he had been uh, a senator for like 16 years already. Oh, wow. He came in at the same time Ted Kennedy came in gotcha. as, as a U.S. senator, and he was going for, I think, what would have been his last term. And we lost by 800 votes. Wow, that's close. It, it was close. I got to manage the, the uh, campaign in Merrimack County, where Concord is, and in the Lakes region, where Laconia was. And how, how long were you on the, that staff for? A how, year. Did you, what, yeah. what was uh, your overall experience like, if you could sum up with uh, one word? Uh, <laughs> one word. Don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good stuff. I should probably ex- explain what yeah, don't sure, stop means. Sure. Don't think that you are, well, let's put it this way. I set up a home visit for him once to talk with families in Bedford, mm-hmm. just outside of Manchester. And the senator came out with me, and he said, don't tell this to anybody. He's long gone now. Don't tell this to anybody, but Ty... I'm I'm pretty far ahead in the polls. I just don't want people to know. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that he wasn't. Gotcha. That's what I meant by don't stop. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, so you work on the staff. Uh, Talk us a little bit to the point where you end up getting to to wanting to run for city council. 
I think social work, doing social work here in Attleboro helped really connect me to a lot of people. Um, I got to know our mayor mm -hmm. before he ran, but as he was running for his first time back in 2012. Yeah. How did I get to know him? It was totally by accident. My wife uh, met him, and he came to our house. Yeah. And she told me, you've got you've to meet this fella. He's very interesting. And I called him up. He had left a phone number. And I said, anybody who spends, you know, half an hour talking to my wife uh, at my house, I'd, I'd love to meet you. <laughs> and I was just kidding with him. Yeah. And, and, we, and he, two days, within two days, we sat down at Morin's Restaurant, and we had about an hour and a half, two hours wow. of conversation. And that's one of the things that happened to, to kind of get involved. And I, uh, <clears throat> I helped him in each succeeding election, yeah. you know, putting up signs, knocking on doors. Um, I'm, I'm more of a person who's kind of a consensus person, though. For example, I wouldn't call myself way out on the, way out on the left wing. Yeah. You know, as people, I, I hate using terms to describe where somebody stands politically. Yeah, same, same. If, I, if I said anything about myself, I'd say, I'm a social worker at heart, trying mm -hmm. to do something good in the political world yeah, that absolutely. actually tries to help people. Yeah. And I see the city council as nonpartisan. Yeah. I really do. It's, um, it's a little different than when you and I ran for state house. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably get about two people a day who ask what party I'm in. So it's not a lot of people, considering I visit many more than two people a day. Sure. Um, but I always answer by saying, well, first and foremost, it's really nonpartisan. Yeah. It's not, you're not running as a Democrat. You're not running as a Republican. Yeah. And then I say, yes, I may be a Democrat, but I think the issues that we have, we all are concerned about. Absolutely. We're, con we're all concerned about education. We're all concerned about helping seniors yeah. and making sure the senior center works well. We're all I would hope we're all concerned about how the library is doing. Yeah. You know, all the services that the state, that the city has, you know, we, we share them. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. So that, that's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah. I like to say, you know, in my opinion, no one goes, wants to run for public office that's a bad person. You know what I mean? I, I feel like no one really, a bad person doesn't want to run for public office. If you're running for public office, you want to help people. Yeah. And I think that that's the good thing about... At the municipal uh, level is that it is nonpartisan. You know, ultimately, you just want to try and find what's the best solution for everyone. And in the city, you know, at the city level, I don't really see issues being a liberal or conservative view. It's kind of like... I don't either. You know, it's what's best for our community. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the... the well, let's say we're going to take... Uh, we have a break coming up, but let's talk... Uh, What's what are some of the issues that you wish to uh, you you want to work on as a city councilor, and then we'll uh, we'll take our break and we'll come back. Okay. Well, it's twofold, so I'll, these are equal. Public education and and seniors mm -hmm. they stand out in my mind. That's not to say that the police, the fire, the library are are less important, but those two issues right now I think stand out. Yep. Um, Se uh, seniors, I have met so many seniors who uh, usually they're living alone, 
who uh, the ones that I'm thinking about the most are people who are living alone, who are really concerned about being able to pay the increase in property taxes that's going to be happening because we build a high, we're going to build a new high school, which I voted for. Yeah, I really believe we needed it. But it is going to be an economic hardship for certain low-income seniors. And uh, I want them to know that I feel for that. I live on Social Security, too. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you, you can't really easily understand how it is to make it on Social Security until you reach that point in your life. Sure. You know, thank God we have that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Imagine what it was like before... Uh, FDR brought in Social Security, yep, yep. I can't imagine. So I, I am uh, going to be attending a meeting Friday at 10 o'clock. Uh, and it's going to be about uh, low-income seniors and housing and how to help the seniors with that. Jim Hawkins is, is running this event. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's informed me that there are three bills going through the state house now to assist low-income seniors with with their um, with paying their their rent, basically paying their mortgage. Gotcha. And, and well, I mean their taxes is what I mean. Yeah. And I want to understand exactly what those are about because ultimately, if it if the city decides to back one of these bills. That, that's going to hopefully pass, it would go through the city council. Mm -hmm. We would have, have to make a decision whether we want to give eligible seniors a break. Absolutely. So. All righty, folks. All right, we're in studio with Ty Waterman, who is running for city council at large <coughs> in uh, this upcoming election in November. Uh, we're talking about his candidacy, uh, things that he's done, uh, things that he's currently doing, and things he hopes to accomplish during that time. So stick around. We're going to learn a little bit more about Ty Waterman when we come back. On October 30th at 6.30 p.m., the Center for Reconciliation will host The Hidden History of the Second Amendment, a presentation by Carl T. Bogus at Cathedral of St. John, located at 271 North Main Street in Providence. This is a free discussion on the history of the Second Amendment and how it intersects with the history of slavery in the United States. Guests will also have the opportunity to learn from local organizers about gun control activism today. Carl G. Bogus is a professor of law at the Roger Williams University School of Law. He has written and spoken extensively about both the Second Amendment and gun control policy. Falls AC 8 Stack Road in North Attleboro supports high school sports in our community at every level. Opened in 1983, owner Angelo Cavalieri is proud of their 33 years of service to the Attleboros. Falls AC is open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. They have lunch and dinner daily, banquet rooms for your meeting or get-together, and dart leagues. The entire staff at Falls AC wishes the high school athletes the best of luck in every game. Falls AC, 8 Stack Road, North Attleboro, 508-695-2688. Um, hello, it's me, the designer jeans in your closet, the back of your closet. What am I doing here? Would you keep caviar in the back of your fridge with the ketchup and old milk? Yeah, I don't think so. So what happened to us? I mean, have you seen my label? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Sure, I never really fit you quite right, and one of my pockets is so small you can't even squeeze your hand into it. But it's all about the look. 
and I look good. I need to get back out on the scene so I can be seen. You know, going to fancy parties, getting expensive iced coffees, Sunday fun days, okay? So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Alrighty, folks, uh, we're back in studio with uh, Ty Waterman, who's running for city council at large in the city of Attleboro. I'm your host, Paula Salguero. Once again, we're here from 7 to 9. Uh, so, Ty, before the break, we talked a little bit about some of the issues you, you'd like to work on. You know, you mentioned uh, public education and seniors. Could you uh, could you talk a little bit about more uh, kind of the seniors, things you, you hope to – what's the current situation like, and what are some things you'd like to work on with uh, our well, seniors? I want to make sure that the senior center is always fully funded to do their job. Um, the job has to be growing because there's over 8,000 seniors. At least that's what I've been told. And it's, a fast, it's one of the fastest growing segments of our society right now. Yeah. And here in Attleboro, that's definitely the case. And I, I've met a number of seniors, again, as I said, that are living alone and in their 90s. And I've met probably a half dozen World War II veterans who have told, told me some of their stories. Yep. And I just, I want the senior center to be, um, to never, to always be able to reach out to folks. So that's, that's one thing. I, I want to say a little more about education, though. I didn't say too much about that. Uh, as we all know, 35 teachers, approximately, I may, I may be off by one or two, uh, were released a couple of years ago. And we have an excellent school system. I'm not saying that we don't have one. But we have rising uh, class sizes. And one of the things that I'd like to do is turn that back around. And I realize that all costs money. And that's the reason that we lost some of the teachers. Budget was real tough. I recognize that. I'm not a person who, uh, well, what, what, at the very bottom of my palm card I wrote, I pledge to budget your tax dollars carefully and wisely. That's how I live. Mm -hmm. If I didn't live that way as a senior myself, I'd be in tough shape. So you have to be careful, and the city does too. We need to bring in money. One way we can bring in money is by hiring what we used to have, an economic development director. And I believe that we have uh, that, that, uh, that position in the current budget, at least the budget that the mayor presented. Uh, I'm not sure if we've formally approved that position yet or not. But I believe it's very important because we, we need a person who's terrific to, to help bring in new businesses, which will help ultimately support our, our taxes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and we we've always had one in the past. Yeah. So that's one thing. So that'll help education down the line. 
Yeah, I think, like you said, bringing businesses in because it helps education. It also helps our homeowners, like you said, the tax-wise. That's right. If, if you have more businesses, you can, you know, the, the burden on a, ta- a homeowner could be less because if you're dividing that tax among uh, the businesses. And uh, like you said, the schools, you mentioned um, the overcrowding in classrooms. And I, I can attest to that because you know, when I was running, too, we had, you know, I was hearing from parents that were saying their kids were, sometimes you would have classes at the cafeteria because there weren't enough room in a classroom for for you know their lesson to go on mm. so it, it that's tough you know like you said it's it comes out to funding you don't have enough books so a kid can take his textbook home to go study you know that's uh those were some of the stories that i heard too that would you know it touched me and i was like that, that this shouldn't happen you know but like you said atterborough is relatively uh uh, better, but there, I always think there's always room for improvement right. in, in our city. Yeah, I don't want people taking this as a harsh criticism, but we yeah. can't just consider this the new norm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> so I'm going to be there. I'm going to be an advocate for education. Absolutely. Now, could, you know, you've been door knocking, and a few of the other candidates are door knocking. What's, what's your experience been like? What are some of the stories that you're hearing uh, from our, our from the residents of Attleboro. Interesting. I heard a story. This is not a criticism of 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 the school. This is what I heard from one family. Okay. I heard a story from a mother of a fifth grade boy. We were talking about schools. Who is so happy with the school that he is in now? He's a boy that has some trouble uh, focusing and uh, screening out noise so that he can listen to a teacher. Yep. And he went to one of our schools with the open class concept. So in other words, he could hear what was going on in the third grade class next to him. And he was having a lot of, t- lot of difficulty uh, hanging in there with what was going on in his own class. This year, he's in a class with walls and that was his biggest thrill I have walls in my classroom that's an interesting thought yeah you wouldn't expect to hear that yeah I know yeah. Well, I know when I was in Hyman Fine it was, now that you mention it because uh, I went to Hyman Fine Elementary School when we first moved to Atterboro and it was like that we had you could walk to like uh, an open wall and talk to like you know you weren't supposed to but you could see your friend in the next class and it was it was cool because you know I never thought of it though, like, like you said, you didn't think of it, you know. But having a, you know, walls must uh, make learning more efficient, you know, because you're more focused and in tune with what's going on. But um, what's the, is there uh, specific concerns that the residents have that you tend to uh, hear often when you're when you're door knocking? Well, I already said that one. The the one that I hear the most is is fear of being able to keep up with their taxes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of an overriding one. Most people, when I ask them, you know, how's it going with the city? Are you having many issues with the city? Yeah. I get occasional people who have a specific thing that has, happens. But I would say 80%, 85% of the people say, no, I love it here. Yeah. The city is a great place. Yeah, absolutely. And as cities go, I, I really believe that's right. Yeah. I had one instance, though, this today I wanted to share you. Yeah, yeah. My story today really wasn't about a knocking at a door. I was driving to um, a, a street just off South Main. I saw a friend. I pulled over. Hey, how you doing? 
and he was he was uh, visibly upset because his dog had run away. Oh wow! And and I I, I knew who his dog w- was. It was a big old, a huge dog, and probably thirteen fourteen years old. And after I left him, I started knocking on doors. I'd probably gone to three houses, and suddenly I noticed his dog walking across a lawn. No kidding. Yeah. So I got out, and uh, it took a while because I didn't know the dog's name. Turns out it's Tonka. Tonka? Tonka. I think that's the name. And um, I followed him about four houses. He went out in the back, then came around the edge, and finally he came towards me, and I was able to get him by his collar, and I was close enough where I walked him back across South Main and returned him to his, to his owner. Wonderful. That's and awesome. That was, that was really a fun experience. Yeah. You know, the dog was really, didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this man? <laughs> yeah. That awesome. was fun. That's great. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the current issues, uh, well, I don't know if it's issues, but some of the current stuff that's going on in the city, too. Uh, the Highland Country Club yeah. that, that's going on in our city. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you have a specific thing you think it should be... Um, utilized as or what's your take on the entire situation regarding the, the well let me let me club? share what i the night that we had the open um forum yep and there were oh i don't know look well over 100 people that wanted to talk that night when when was july or june it might have been late june um i i got up to talk towards the end of that experience and i said this is this is a wonderful opportunity for us to have have the Highland Country Club as a park. Mm-hmm. Realizing that we have a beautiful park in Capron, I, I understand it. So it would be a little bit different kind of a park. And I told them that this is our opportunity to literally have an arboretum. Um, are you familiar with the arboretum? Uh, no. Uh, explain to me and uh, as well as our listeners, too. Well, the arboretum is owned by Harvard. And it's in Rosendale area, um, near, well, Forest Hills, Rosendale area. Yep, yep. And it's, it's enormous. And there's no stores. There's no buildings. It's a series of trails. It's an open area. There's some hills, beautiful trees. The, the, the trees are from all over the world. And usually, I don't think we could do this, but they've imported trees from China, from Siberia, Anything that can grow in our climate, you you find it growing there. But it's silence. It's an incredible um, calming effect. And people just very quietly walk around the Arboretum, which is quite large. Yeah. It's probably even larger than, what is it, 93 acres that Highland has? About that, I think. Yeah. I'm, it might be twice the size. Wow. Uh, in the middle of a really busy, vibrant city, you have this oasis. And I, I told uh, everybody that was there, including the city council, that this is our chance for our own arboretum. Now, granted, it's going to cost us some money, and I'm sure we would like to help have it pay for itself to some degree. And I think the building yeah. can help us do that. I think there can be weddings there and other public events that can be used for revenue. But I would like to see it belong to everybody in the city. 
yeah. that everybody, regardless of their income, their age, can find a way to enjoy being the being there in a quiet, peaceful way. Now, whether that means trails through the city, I've heard cross-country skiing as a real possibility. I'm a cross-country skier, so that appeals to me. Yeah. And I understand that we have um, a pledge of, I believe I read, $50,000 if we go in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that we may be able to do a few other things with it besides what I'm describing. Yeah. Um, but that's one piece that I would love to have a good part of it used for. Sure. So, so, so ultimately, Ty Wardman doesn't want the entire thing to be an arboretum, right? You, or is that no? I'm I, right, I, or? I can see, I can see where the the school system yep. could could use part of it. Yep. Uh, in some in some fashion, hopefully a nature, yeah, uh, of a nature um, aspect. Um, I've heard the I've heard the idea floated that it could have something to do with solar energy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much room that that would take. Sure. It might help us with electricity. I'm I'm not on that committee. I'm intentionally not on the committee because I have enough to do right now <laughs> running for city council. Absolutely, absolutely. Alrighty, mm. folks, we're in studio with Ty Waterman, who is a candidate for city council at large in the city of Adderall this coming uh, November election. We're talking about his candidacy, things that uh, his past, what he's done, what he's currently doing, and his hopes for uh, the city of Attleboro. So uh, stick around, and we'll, we're going to learn a little bit more about Ty Waterman and his, uh, his objective and mission, uh, what he wishes to see happen in Attleboro. So we'll be right back after this message. On September 22nd, the North Attleboro National Fish Hatchery, located at 144 Bungay Road in North Attleboro, will be holding a fish hatchery tour for all ages. Participants will tour the hatchery and learn how fish are hatched and why. If weather cooperates, participants are invited to hike around the nature trail and soak in a bit of natural beauty and read a story along the way with a story walk. If you would like to register for the tour, you can call 508-695-5002, extension 10. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Amigo Inc. is currently looking for qualified individuals to help fill various positions within the company. Located at 33 Perry Avenue, Amigo is offering full and part-time positions in addition to per diem opportunities. Amigo offers first, second, and third shift availability to help fit your needs and theirs. When you join Amigo, you will help to create a positive client experience for all the individuals we have the privilege of serving on a daily basis. For more information on all positions available, please call 508-455-6200 or visit our website at amigoinc.com. 
org. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with Ty Waterman, who's a candidate uh, for city council at large um, in Attleboro this coming November election. We're talking about uh, his his career coming up until now, uh, what he's uh, what he has done, what he's currently doing, and what he hopes to see in the city of Attleboro. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, seniors. Uh, public education, we discussed the Highland Country Club, but another thing that's important to you is affordable housing in Attleboro. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about what is the current situation like in Attleboro for affordable housing and what you hope to see in our future re- with uh, involving affordable housing? Well, it's obvious to me that there are a number of people who really have difficulty affording uh, even rents in a, a, a decent uh, apartment building or um, or maybe part of a house anything that might cost I'll just throw out a figure a thousand and up a month is, is plus you know having to put a thousand down to begin with well we all we all have to figure out how to do that but we have a, some people that aren't there that don't have that yeah and uh, I, I basically work with 14 men at the Y that, in my opinion, out of those 14 men, maybe 11 could not afford a decent apartment in this city. And I wouldn't say that this city is a high, a high rate, yeah. um, high cost if you compare it to something like Boston. For sure. But nevertheless, um, it is very difficult to, um, if you don't have a job, or you're just working part-time, and in some cases we have people who are divorced in there, in, in, where I live, uh, where I work, and they're, they're taking care of a house that they have left, and they're taking care of children where they have left. It's just not easy in this society. Yeah. And uh, in order to be able to afford to live well, you have you generally have to be working. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a certain uh, when, when you talk to these people? Are there certain programs out there that are uh, for these individuals that may be struggling to afford, uh, you know, a regular rent rental apartment? Are there certain programs out there that they can go to? or resources that are available? To well, we them? have a housing authority. So you can definitely go to the housing authority. I've signed up uh, probably half the men where uh, where I work with the housing authority, and you're going to wait. In one case, uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, because he was a senior, uh, he was offered a place about uh, within a year, but it could for some people it could be much longer. And uh, thank God we do have public housing here um, and it, we have good pretty good housing for seniors from what I've seen I've had an opportunity to go to the uh, housing complex on, off of North Ave yep. and speak inside that building and meet some of the people and actually was invited in to see one of the rooms and I think we should be proud of complexes like that it's a good one yeah uh, I know when I was a campaign too, that was a big thing that I was hearing from, which saddened me is when people were contemplating leaving our city due to affordability, 
Yeah. That 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 saddened me because it you know, I always say someone shouldn't have to contemplate eating or paying their rent. You know, that's how I always. Uh, that, that was something that was always in my head. You know, but um, but it's good to see that there are still resources out there, and um, so. You actually work inside at the YMCA. Is yes, that I where do. The, the offices. Okay. Right. Right. And so, if someone needed help, they can just go into the Y. And uh, well, we only have fourteen places. Gotcha. And you know, we recently uh, took somebody in to one of our one of our rooms. Yeah. And that was the first person in a year. Oh wow! You yeah, know. Yeah. So it's not a. It, you know, we don't have vacancies that often. Gotcha. Gotcha. But Ty Waterman can help them sign up, though, for the... the sure, the, I can <laughs> help them sign up. <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll get back to you when there is a vacancy. Yeah, yeah. Is there um, a specific things uh, that you're thinking about now? Maybe another story on the trail that you've heard or an experience you've had or ultimately something you want just want to make sure you cover while being on here? Hmm, that's a great question. It's very important to me and I hear this at the doors, and I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not even thinking of any names. Yeah. But it's very important that on our political discourse in this era, in any era, really, not just this era, yeah. that we have a, have a civil discourse with each other, yeah. that people um, not be labeled for any reason, whether it be their... Um, their age, um, something about their sexuality, uh, the political party they may be part of. We need to become probably better listeners as a society. Yeah. And I really believe that political um, discourse begins with good listening. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. I mentioned... uh, uh, we did an interview for the Sun Chronicle, and uh, you know, I had told him, I said, once you start putting labels on things, whether it's a Democrat, Republican, whatever, it it, it causes a, a, a divide. It yes. becomes like an us versus them mentality, right. and it's almost, you know, it's. Um, and I think that this happens to a, a lot in the political world is that politicians, and I'll give you an example, just like Democrat versus Republican. They say there's two politicians. They may agree on 80% of the things together, but they only focus on the 20% that they disagree with. You know, and mm-hmm. it's uh, and I think that's you know, oh, you don't agree? Oh, well, we're gonna sit down in, in the Capitol building. You know, we're gonna have a sit down. We're just gonna you know pout about it. But and I think nothing like that gets done. Nor do I think that should ever be done because. Um, I understand make, getting a message across, but ultimately, what's it really doing when, when you're not, you know, I always say, if you're going to be a politician, you should have an open mind, you know. And, and people should, politicians should know how, learn how, if they don't know how, to practice the, um, the art of compromise. Absolutely. Because really, if you've got the division out there, you've got to learn how to compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't even hear that word used anymore. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's a bad word to them, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, but, and I asked, um, it's a good question. I asked uh, some of the other candidates that were running too, is that how, how does, how would Ty Waterman work with the city council? Say you don't agree with um, other city councilors. How, how do you work and break those barriers to, to have a compromise with, with uh, the other individuals? 
Well, my goal is to, I want the people that I'm working with to know that I'm hearing them. Mm -hmm. I'm not judging them, I'm hearing them. I may have my own opinions, but I'm not putting them down as individuals. I'm not personalizing it. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody cares, I'll tell them why I think the way I think. But it's not, the, they're not lesser human beings because of that. Yeah. And um, it's the only way I know how to say it. Absolutely. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I think, it, you know, because people have, um, when I was interviewing the, the other candidates, I, I mentioned people like to see, they like to hear where you stand on issues. But me personally, I like to know about the actual person. How are they going to work with other people? How how do they carry themselves? Because to me, I, I think that speaks louder than, you know, oh, this is how I stand on this, this is how I stand on that. But ultimately, like, how are you with the community? How do you interact with people? I think that's what's really uh, what makes a good politician is the communication skills that, that they embody. And I, and I think the most important part, I probably should have said this first, is constituent services. Mm-hmm. Because I tell every single person that I, that I visit, here's my phone number, and uh, if you have an issue or concern, I mean it. You call me. Yeah. We talk. If, I, if it's within my ability to help you, I will try to do so. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's the bottom line in, in the public service is, is constituent service, individuals and what you can do for and them. And you're not a stranger to helping people. No, Either. I do it all the time. <laughs> you, you've done it's it. part of... It's a social worker's job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> being a social worker, uh, what's uh, what's some of the you know? How would you describe that career as a social worker? What's some of the the rewarding things that you you've been a part of being a social worker? Watching some of my clients grow up. I had the good fortune of, uh, of knowing my clients in, um, in Boston for as long as 10 years. Wow. I worked there 19, but definitely I knew a few of them 10 years. And watching them uh, grow and mature, I, I, had, I had one young woman who was in high school when I first met her. And uh, she, she, uh, she had intellectual disabilities. She eventually had two children by two different fathers. She was never married. Uh, her first child, um, the state didn't know what to do because she was 20 years old and she was a ward of the state yeah. and she had intellectual disabilities. And unfortunately, um, the state decided that she couldn't be a mother. And the same day that the child was born, um, she was removed from her mother. And then the second baby came along, and she was over 21 at that point. And yes, again, uh, the baby eventually was removed, not the day of the birth. But we worked very hard for her to be able to get her baby back. I went to court. She had to live up to certain criteria. She had to um, attend um, 
doctor's appointments. She had to take certain medication. She was deemed it was necessary for her with, it, with some of her issues. And she lived in a foster home, and we helped her raise her child until eventually um, I, I moved on. That was rewarding. Absolutely. And because uh, we're going to be uh, wrapping up, uh, um, if someone wants to get in contact with Ty Waterman, how can they do so? Ah, well, they can call me or they can email me. Um, you can call me at 508-577-1412. Uh, you can look online at tyattleboro.com. And I will also receive your emails through that. And what's the name of uh, the blog again? Oh, on the Trail with Ty. On the Trail with Ty. Okay. And uh, like I was saying, um, well, I wasn't saying, but earlier, uh, kind of a trademark to the show is I like to ask uh, a question. Uh, if you could talk to someone from history, anyone from history, and ask them one question, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them? Benjamin Franklin. What would you want to ask him? Benjamin What does democracy really mean to you? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. But uh, all right, I like to end on that because I think it kind of helps the listeners try to understand a person too, how they think and yeah. what they like. But already, folks, that that we have any uh, last things you'd like to say before? No, we... just really thank you. And I I did want to say uh, personally that it was a real privilege being on the same um, ballot with you. Thank you. Because. The three of us, you, me, and Jim Hawkins, when we ran for state rep, we really, we never went after each other. Yeah. We really treated each other um, with um, great respect. And we, we, we had a pact to yeah, be that way. Absolutely. We kept it. So thank you for that. My pleasure. All right, <clears throat> folks, that's going to wrap it up for the Paul Salguero Show. Again, we'll be here next week. We'll do it all again from 7 to 9. Uh, next week we'll have uh, an interview. Uh, one of the directors from uh, New Hope, and as well as uh, from 78, we'll have Professor Tanisha Pickney on. We're going to talk about uh, mental illness in, uh, uh, in our community, the issues that we face, and kind of how we can go about it. But that's going to be next week. Again, we'll be here Wednesday from uh, 7 to 9 o'clock. So enjoy the evening, and we'll, see you uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.